The, uh, the text uh, today is from the Gospel of Matthew, uh, actually in the very first chapter. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after she had considered this, or after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, today is the fourth Sunday of Advent, just one more week until Christmas. Hard to believe. Uh, And and in the passage this morning um, is the story of Joseph. And um, we we know that Jesus had a a mother, Mary, but um, Joseph was more of a stepfather or earthly father to him um, because we know Jesus is the Son of God. And... um, And I'm aware that being the mother and being pregnant and going through labor and all of that is a much harder job than being the father. And so all of the praise and, you know, adulation that Mary gets this time of year, she deserves every bit of it. But being the father or the stepfather is hard also. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough as well. I remember when um, Cindy, each time Cindy went into labor with our, with our children and went to the hospital, um, I tell you, I was a nervous wreck. And if, if they had not let her stay with me in that little room back there, I don't know if I would have made it. Um, it it's hard. Um, now, now, to understand the story, it's, it's important to understand the stages of a Jewish marriage during the time of Joseph and Mary. It consisted of two steps. There was the formal exchange of consent uh, before witnesses, and then later there was the marriage. So the uh, formal, um, you know, exchange of consent would be between the groom and the bride's father, or it could be between both of their fathers when they went ahead and arranged the marriage. Uh, and at this point, the groom would pay the dowry for the bride, and the, and the marriage became legally binding. And this was called a betrothal. It was during this time, you were betrothed. Now, the marriage actually didn't take place for about another year. But during this time that, you know, we might call it an engagement, but during this time, um, if you wanted to break up, you had to get a divorce. You couldn't just, um, you know, send a text message or a TikTok video. Um, It was a legal thing you had to go through. You had to get a divorce. Even though you weren't officially married, if you were in this betrothal, you still had to get a divorce to to break it up. And if the man died during that time period, the, the the woman was considered a widow. And so Mary and Joseph were in that betrothal period. Uh, they had already made the consent um, to be married. 
And uh, within the year, they would actually have the actual marriage ceremony where Mary would come and home to live with Joseph. But that hasn't happened yet, so they're in that in-between time. And one day, Mary came to Joseph with some news that made his heart sink. She said, Joseph, I'm going to have a baby. Imagine how that must have made Joseph feel. Imagine how you would have felt. Especially when you know that there is no way that this child is going to bear any physical resemblance to you whatsoever. And Mary told him, she said, don't worry because this child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. Joseph had had biology, so he kind of knew how things worked. And I imagine even for a religious guy like Joseph, that was a little hard to swallow. So he decided that something needed to be done, that they needed to get a divorce. And so he wanted to go ahead and, and, you know, since they were betrothed, you had to go through the process and get a divorce. And so he started that process. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Now, in the first service, the traditional service, we say that Apostles' Creed every Sunday, and that's a part of it. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. But in those days, those were not words of doctrine. Those were words of scandal. Let me think about this. Uh, you know, Matthew says Joseph was a righteous man. He didn't want to disgrace Mary. Um, and in those days, getting pregnant before you were married was, was a serious thing. It was, it was scandalous. And since Mary was engaged, she was also considered to be an adulteress. And, 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 and for that, Mary could have been stoned. I mean, that was the law. Matthew says that Joseph was faithful to the law, but Joseph really was a righteous man because his, his first concern was to take care of Mary and this baby, even though this baby wasn't his. So, so think about this for a minute. Joseph is publicly embarrassed. His fiance has cheated on him but he isn't interested in revenge. He wasn't concerned about himself or his reputation. All he was concerned about was what was best for Mary and her baby. Joseph really was a righteous man. He just wanted to get on with his life. It, he could have demanded a public trial to prove his innocence. Um, of course, the result in that would have most likely been Mary would have been convicted and she would have been stoned. In those days, it was simply the man's word. If the man said, this is not my child, that was the end of discussion. There was no DNA testing. There was no going on TV with Maury to determine who the real father was. If the man said, that's not my child, then it was not his child. And the woman could be stoned as a result of that. But Joseph decided, you know, he's just going to call this whole thing off privately he would meet with her father, they would take care of it, and that would be it. That phrase, Joseph was a righteous man, it just sticks in my mind. Because the Pharisees believed themselves to be righteous because they followed the very letter of the law. They would have probably had Mary stoned because that's what the law said. But not Joseph. He was righteous because he understood that it was more than just about law, but it was also about mercy and it was also about grace. 
And he understood the law was not there for him to use to get even. But it was about mercy. And I'm sure that Joseph's friends, fresh from synagogue, said, well, Joseph, you should just do what the Bible says. Just do what the Bible says. I've heard that my whole life as an answer. Just do what the Bible says. Well, I'll tell you what the Bible says. In Deuteronomy 22, it says she's to be taken out and stoned to death in front of the people. That's what the Bible says. Well, Joseph, I know it sounds harsh, but we have to do what the Bible says, you know. Love the sinner, but hate the sin. Over my life, I have grown to hate that phrase. <laughs> hate the sinner. I love the sinner, but hate the sin. I like the way Mark Lowry put it. He said, love everybody and hate your own sin. <laughs> Don't worry about their sin. And you know it happened. You know they had times. We stoned a 14-year-old girl today and her unborn child to death. But it's okay. We were just doing what the Bible says. God help us. Because the Bible can say a lot of things. Depends on how we read it. If you want to justify killing someone for revenge, the Bible does say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The Bible says that if a man doesn't find, if he finds anything displeasing about his wife, he can divorce her. The Bible says women should do everything their husbands tell them to do and keep quiet in church. Got awfully quiet in here just then, didn't it? You know, it's not just what the Bible says, it's, it's how we choose to read what the Bible says. And if you wish to read the Bible in such a way that it gives you a license to harm and abuse and demean and punish vulnerable people, then you can find that. And many do. Many like the Pharisees consider themselves righteous because they're just doing what the Bible says. But then there are people like Joseph. And I love the way Fred Craddock described Joseph. This is how he describes Joseph. Joseph is a good man. And he rises to a point that is absolutely remarkable for his day and time. He loves his Bible. He knows his Bible and bless his heart for that. But he reads his Bible through a certain kind of lens. The lens of the character and nature of a God who is loving and kind. And therefore he says, I will not harm her abuse her, expose her, shame her, ridicule her, or demean her value, her dignity, or her worth. I will protect her. Where does it say that, Joseph? In your Bible. I'll tell you where it says that. It says that in the very nature and character of God. Remember that story uh, in the book of John, chapter 8, when they bring this woman to Jesus who was caught in the very act of adultery. And they threw her at Jesus' feet and they said, she was caught in the very act, the, the Bible says we should stone her. What do you say? You remember Jesus said, let the one of you without sin throw the first stone. And, and so one by one they dropped their stones and walked away. And then Jesus looked at her and, and he said, um, I don't condemn you either, so now go and don't sin like this again. I wonder if when they threw that woman down at Jesus' feet, if he thought of his own mama. 
because she was, this woman was guilty of adultery, but his mother was accused of adultery. And if Joseph had said, go ahead and stone her, they would have stoned her. I wonder if he thought of his own mama when he said to her, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And in showing her grace and mercy, you know, we always say Jesus acted like his heavenly father, and he did. But he also acted like his earthly father. He did the same thing Joseph did. He showed mercy and grace. Now, the, the, the angel went on, of course, to, to, um, to, to tell Joseph, um, you know, uh, that, that this child was conceived of the Holy Spirit um, and that he could go ahead and marry her. But all of this took place before that. He had already decided to, to do this quietly before he ever had that vision or that dream for that angel. And, and you know, I believe the Bible, and I believe the Bible is our guide for how God wants us to live, but it does make a difference which lens you use to read the Bible. And there's so many people who read the Bible through the lens of judgment and condemnation and exclusion, and if you do that, that's what you'll find. But there are others who read the Scripture through the lens of mercy and grace, and when you do that, that's what you find. And we all use different lenses at different times, and so we have to be careful. And, and so after, um, you know, after all this, he had a dream, and this angel appeared and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And the angel went on to, to instruct Joseph that when the baby was born to name him Jesus because he would save people from their sins. And Joseph woke up from this dream and then he went out and he took Mary and he married her and did what the angel said. Now Mary was faithful and courageous in the way she followed God. Sometimes we forget Jesus had two very faithful earthly parents. How many of us, with no more to go on than a dream, would risk our reputation, swallow our pride, and do what God asks us to do? A dream. That's it. That and the look in the face of this innocent young girl that he loved. No wonder God chose Mary and Joseph. Few women would have had the faith to believe and to be committed to what God put Mary through. And few men would have swallowed their pride and walked through it with her. Now, the text that we read this morning is often cited when people want to talk about the doctrine of the virgin birth. And you know, I just want to be real honest this morning because I, I meet a lot of people who tell me I, they have a hard time with that. And you, you may be one of those people. You may, you may struggle with that. And, and, and I understand because, you know, I'm a skeptic at heart. Um, you know, I'm a realist. I made an A in biology. Um, I don't believe in psychic hotlines or alien abductions. I don't believe QAnon conspiracy theories. I don't believe the car dealer was actually going to sell me the car for less than what he paid for it. <laughs> Listen, Elvis is dead and Bigfoot's a fake. That's just how it is. And, and I've always had a hard time believing in things that were unexplainable. But when I was a teenager... 
I prayed and I asked God, if you're real, please somehow let me know that you are real. And God made himself real to me. And I felt forgiven of everything I had ever done. And I've spent the rest of my life reading the scriptures and trying to follow God and obey God. And some days I do better than others. But there's been times in my life when the presence of God has been so real that I could not possibly doubt. And I know that God is as real as anyone sitting in this room. And there's a lot of things that I don't understand and that I can't explain. But every Sunday morning, I say the creed, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and I believe it. I heard a true story about a group of scholars who met uh, in a hotel, uh, in a hotel conference room to uh, present their papers and discuss the doctrine of the virgin birth. And there were those scholars there who, their papers, they were trying to, to say that, you know, it's a myth and that it's a, you know, it was, it was invented to, to show Jesus divine birth so it would lend credibility to his ministry. And then there were those who were there who said, no, this, this is really happened. This is a part of God's plan. This is theologically important. And they were arguing back and forth. And um, one of the theologians was, was a woman, and I know her. She was, she, she was the one who told the story. And there was a young man in the room uh, who worked for the hotel, and he was kind of cleaning up and doing stuff. But she noticed he was really listening in and paying attention. And so at the end of their debate, uh, she walked to the back of the room where he was, and she said, I saw you were really listening to the debate. She said, what do you think? And he said, well, I believe in the virgin birth. And she said, well, which argument convinced you? And he smiled and he said, none of them. He said, I believe because it's too beautiful not to be true. <laughs> I agree with him. That's the best theological argument I've heard. Conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. From now on, every time I say those words, they'll hold more meaning than they ever did before. Joseph didn't have much to go on, but he did the right thing. I'm amazed at Joseph. His faith, his love for Mary, his ability to read the scriptures through the lens of grace and mercy. Fred Craddock again. Christmas for me has already started because I know that when Jesus is born, the man who will teach him, raise him, care for him, and show him how to be a carpenter, take him to the synagogue, teach him his Bible, teach him his lessons is a good man, and he will do what is right. And when you have somebody like that, it's already Christmas. And Christmas will last as long as God can find in every community one person who says, I will do what is right. The question, of course, is whether or not you and I will be that person. Amen.